Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Woo! It's the last Film Buds episode of 2022. Um, and uh, it's been quite the year for... Uh, movies it's been quite the year for the show we've gotten to bring y'all a lot of different content we've gotten to bring you some new and upcoming things we've written you some content so it's been a a year that i'm i'm ultimately pretty proud of for for the overall uh outcome heck yeah how do you feel about it i feel i feel good i feel um you know another year down um gotta gotta watch a lot of stuff Looking forward to the next year of watching a lot more stuff. Always. Yep, here on the Film Buds. <laughs> until, you, until your eyes hurt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If, if you're not experiencing eye fatigue, then you're not watching enough stuff. That's right, that's right. Um, <laughs> loving something is, is pain. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And so if you love films, it should eventually become pain. Um, All day. Sisyphusian. Mm-hmm. Undying pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An endless struggle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, but in all earnesty, it has been a lot of fun. Um, for our last uh, episode of the year, I thought that we could do two things. I thought that we could talk about 2022 in film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought that we could talk about uh, our final film of the year, of course, what we're here to review and discuss... Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical film, The Fablemans. Yes. Um, so, I guess, do you want to do you want to start on our discussion on twenty twenty two overall, or do you want me to kick things off? Oh, by all means, kick it off. Okay. Um, overall, I actually really enjoyed um, this year. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I was really engaged with, really interested in going to see this year. Um, you know, all of the big sort of obvious splashy things like, and you know, the, the Bella blockbuster kind of things like the Batman, um, five cream, um, <laughs> five cream, turning red, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that definitely had that sort of, um, uh, built-in awareness coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of them, for the most part, I thought hit the mark of where I, I expected them to sort of hit in terms of how good I expected them to be. You know, the Batman was just as good as I wanted it to be, better in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Turning Red was phenomenally enjoyable um, and very clever. Uh, Five Cream, I guess, was probably a little bit more of a disappointment but it still wasn't bad mm-hmm. um overall though i i really enjoyed the year um i think that for me the real winner you know as i look at a list of movies that came out this year i mean the undeniable winner of the year is horror as a genre um nope x pearl barbarian um the new texas chainsaw massacre movie halloween ends men um bodies 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 um you know so when i think that you look at this year i think that this is actually like a an absolute prey this was an absolute mop-up year for horror it really kicked ass Mm -hmm. um and similarly i felt that you know one of the movies or one of the genres that we turned out the most for in theaters was horror Mm-hmm. Um, and they were also some of the best experiences on screen this year for me as a viewer as well. Well, honestly, uh, horror is the the only genre I feel like that is still allowed to do weird shit. You know, yeah. just take it, take the idea, and and then really dig through all of what it can be. Um, you know, unlike other genres where they like to stick very close to what's been successful before. Mm-hmm. You know, horror. And horror fans are are here to expect the unexpected and to be, you know, terrified to some degree. Yeah. Or even just, um, you know, I think that, like, Crimes of the Future probably still qualifies to a degree. Someone, I'm sure, finds that body it is, elements it is, of um, that film. It is horror because it's, it, is the, it is the body horror. It is this weird world that they live in, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's 
it's science fiction horror. Yeah. Um, and so I think across the board, like, yeah, to your point, it, it can be bold, it can be daring, whereas I think that, like, dramas, especially the ones that get noticed and picked up and seen, you know, typically, by and large, have this kind of, um, you know, award season sensibility. Oh, yeah. No, you know, you know the ones that are really trying to get the the Oscar bait nominees, you know, um, which is which is so sad also. Yeah, uh, actually, it, it sort of also go in, goes along with the discussion I was having with um, Madeline, which is that it, a uh, friend of the show and my sister, um, which was that it feels like legacy TV or, you know, like, um, not legacy TV, but like uh, uh, prestige television has now also become almost like a like a branded sensibility. You know, you can you can tell the shows on TV that are supposed to be the prestige dramas. Whereas oh, yeah. like it used to be that you had like The Sopranos, which was just a show. You know, Breaking Bad, which was just a show. You know But and, now you've got like The Crown. Yeah, you know, and and um the new season of Game of Thrones, which, you know, is bringing with it this, ah, Game of Thrones, you know, sort of sensibility. Um, And so I feel like to a degree, um, you can kind of see some of the similar things with some of the the Oscar movies, right? I mean, you saw the trailers for Amsterdam, which is apparently not very good, I haven't seen it. Um, And you could tell that it was like, this thing is coming for the Oscars, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it, It won't get there, which is funny, but you know, it was very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my opinion, I think, overall. Um, there were some big blockbusters that I really enjoyed, but by and large, like, a lot of the big blockbusters that were out this year were were things that I wasn't going to go and see. Bullet Train, I wasn't going to go and see. Um, I did see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but that was more so because, I don't know, my parents wanted to go and see, I guess. Um, Avatar The Way of Water we did see and is incredible. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, Black Adam is bad. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is wonderful. I was just talking about, like, the big budget, like, blockbuster kind of, you know. Oh, was that not a big budget thing? No. Well, it looked like it was. I guess that proves the point that you don't need a big budget to slap ass. Yeah. So I mean, um, the the visual effects team of of that movie was a lot of like self taught people. Copy. Um, Interesting. So. Well, you know, for me, I guess I don't really know what is and is not supposed to be a blockbuster. I think the things that are supposed to be blockbusters are things that that bust the block. You know, they they come in and drop the mic and then they leave. I don't think that really, I guess, necessarily has to be the things that come out between X time and X time. No, yeah, but, you know, I was thinking about, you know, Thor Love and Thunder and Lightyear and and those sorts of things. Those were supposed to be blockbusters? Mm -hmm. How do you know? Because of the time of year that they came out? Uh, The advertising that went into them, the budget that was behind them, that sort of thing. Okay, well, I guess I I felt like then I still stand by everything, everywhere, all at once being a blockbuster then because it got a lot of advertising, it made huge in the box office, you know, and it's cribbing on a lot of other blockbuster-isms. No, yeah, I guess I maybe should have said, like, you know, franchise legacy brand types of things more so. Oh, well, for the common folk, that doesn't mean anything. No, I get that. Um, But that's more, I guess, of what I was was angling at with that. and Bullet Train maybe isn't that, but, you know, it was a big, splashy, you know, ensemble cast, you know, action movie thing. Yeah, where nobody um, knew anybody's <laughs> name other than the fact that Brad Pitt was in it. No, fair enough. Um, what are what are your thoughts on, on 2022? Oh, I thought that this year was pretty successful, for the most part, for things that I wanted to see. And as always, it had things that I definitely never, ever needed or wanted and can be thrown away instantly. Hocus Pocus 2, I'm looking straight at you. Um... <laughs> You know, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, get rid of it, burn it with fire. Um, didn't need the first one. Um, but there were a lot of things that, like, I really was looking forward to and, you know, went above and beyond my expectations for them. Um, you know, like you said, there was the the Batman, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Nope, Glass Onion, X, and Pearl. Um, I loved Turning Red. I thought that that movie was exactly what um, a Pixar movie is supposed to be. And I hate the fact that we've gone so far away from what Disney Pixar used to be. 
um, as a brand. Now we're just, um, I think that, I think that Pixar's slipping. I think that Disney's gotten too much control. Yeah. I mean, um, especially once, you know, Lassiter left because of the, the creepy Uncle Lassie allegations. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but with that, Disney got to then install their person. Mm-hmm. No, and, yeah. and change that structure, you know, and, and 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 reconfigure. And I think that this is one of the best things that they've um, put out there so in, in the last, like, few years. Um, and that's including all of the times when they're like, all right, we're just going to suck on the, the Toy Story teat. You know, they just keep slapping out Toy Story movies to keep reminding people that they exist. But, like, I don't I don't care about any of that anymore because also you've done it too many times. Give me something new. No, and also, um, just real quickly off of that, what I think is so interesting is that multiple big Pixar movies that would have gotten theater releases before, you know, like Turning Red, Up, etc., were all, like, straight-to-Disney-plusers. Yeah, and so they didn't even get... Lightyear got in the theater and I didn't and need it, it tanked. Yeah, because it, it, it looked bad and it was going to be bad. This was a new thing. Stop again sucking on the, the Toy Story teat and expecting that to, to get you the money that you want. Um, but, you know, Elvis, phenomenal. Oh, incredible movie. Like, such a good movie, such a fun time. Baz Luhrmann has never done better, I think. Um, no, this might be... This might be my favorite of his. Oh yeah, um, the the way of water, beautiful. It it really like reinvigorated my love for the franchise, um, uh, and it just it's just a, a spectacle to see. You know, truly, truly incredible. Um, and like, oh oh oh, pray pray, fant- fantastic film. Pray was, was another one that should have gotten the theater release. Oh, it was so. I'd good. have paid good money. You know what? I think that they should have gone that extra way and had it be originally in the native tongue, and then we dubbed in the 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 the, the um, English. Actor. Yeah, on top of it, because I would have, I think, accepted more so. And I know that this is probably like not the mass opinion, and this is why they did it the other way. But I think that it would have felt more authentic for it to just feel like I was watching an anime. You know, where you're you're totally hearing the the the, the English speaker's voice, and it can be their voice. Because obviously they cast an entire group of people who spoke English. Yeah. But I think that it would have been more powerful to have the the Quechua be the the mouth matching language that I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because we did watch it in in Quechua, and it didn't. It, it I think it pulled me out of it more so than I would like to have been. Um, but other than that, I thought that that movie was great. Again, another thing that reinvigorated my love for a franchise. Um, and I think that that's where people are getting these things confused is the fact that, um, I didn't need Hocus Pocus 2 and you didn't give me anything new with that friend, with this, this new version of it to, to make me go, gosh, I love this. I loved being a part of this. And now it's a part of my wambo pambo combo. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to watch these two things together. Um, or gosh, I keep hoping that they make more things like this, like that movie. If the first movie is a 10, then this new movie is exactly the number that it gave us. It is a two. Um, and that's sad, you know, Mm -hmm. that you could tell that prey, they took a lot of care and time and effort into making this a really interesting predator movie. Instead, Hocus Pocus did exactly like, um, everything Disney does and goes, oh my gosh, we took something, something that you love. Great. That's all we needed to do. Well, you know, um, again, you know, Mad and I had talked about that movie when it first came out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that she's the one that said, um, that like the first one was a horror movie for kids, mm-hmm. but that this one for her felt like a true family movie. Yeah, it's a comedy, and I think that that's a really fair assessment. And I think that that is where like the second one is a little bit of a letdown, um, and also it's a little bit I think in the directing style because for me, some of the delivery, some of the timing, some of the beats feel like it's staged for television. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure that we leave this moment in for like a laugh track that isn't there. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of a thing. Um, and that's such a waste of time. Why on earth do you want to taint something just because you want money? You know, did you really make all the money that you hoped out of this Disney? Did you really make back the money that you put into that sneaker? Probably because you put a, like, barely a budget in that thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you put all of your budget in, in, into getting the three witches back and said, all right, everybody else has to be a D class or lower actor. And we're just going to, you know, put some faith, trust and pixie dust on this thing and it's going to land. And that's yeah. that's that's dangerous. You are gambling with with people's time and money. And 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 what is this? Something that just gets to get lost on your platform now. Thank goodness for it. Um, I know that you sometimes can struggle with um, creating lists of things, mm-hmm. uh, especially like ranking movies or something like that. Um, so instead, I think that I'll give you something that might be a little bit easier for you. Okay. Give me like five standout performances for you that are like these are great examples of of giving it your all in a, in a performance. Um, from this year. Okay, um, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc is is top 10 slam dunk. I think he does a phenomenal job. I love him as Benoit. This is my favorite Daniel Craig performance ever because everything else I feel like he's doing is just another version of the James Bond that he was doing, and this is completely different, and I love it. It is so much fun. Um, let's see, another performance that I thought was just like top 10 great time Randy's this year was um i thought that um austin butler does a phenomenal job as elvis i was scared going into that film because i was afraid that he was going to pull down the entire thing because he wasn't going to be able to to realistically yeah to be this person not just the caricature and i think that he does above and beyond of bringing humanity back to the caricature of elvis that lives today we now get to see a man again you know, sure, he's eccentric, but that's he's he's being honestly eccentric because that's who he is. It is just as hard as trying to cast Michael or Prince. You yeah, know? like it's a real uphill battle. No, no, for sure, honestly. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'll I'll give. Um, no, 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 no. I love I love the entire cast of Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think that that movie is weird, and I think that they are bringing a lot of grounding force to the weirdness and of making it very um relatable and i think that that's hard when you get to do all of this fun stuff that you forget that there's there's um a narrative behind this which is this this family that is struggling you know sure there's all this glitz and this glamour but there's there's a there's a a heartbeat of this family that is that is missing um um let's see what does this did it it came out it came out today it came out yesterday um white noise white noise Greta um, Gerwig yes 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 I want to see more of her her confession scene oh it's so good is that the one that's it's, coming to mind it's so good it is it, it's it's heartbreaking to watch her and that's the whole point and it's and she just she lends herself so well to to the to the role and i i was lost in her i i want to see more of her you know forget all of the people forget all the nepotism babies let's let's bring Greta Gerwig up because she deserves it um put her in put her in everything now Greta Gerwig in the third knives out yeah honestly let's do it in that same wig <laughs> Um, and I think that, let's see, was that, that was four that I was on? Um, I think that my fifth one is going to go to, um, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. I'm, oh gosh, I don't know her name. Um, Pearl. I don't know her name. Mia Goth. Mia Goth. I think that she gets, you know, she, she gets on the list because also she, she did two different characters for the same franchise, mm-hmm. you know, I think she's she's so interesting. She's she's so passionate, and I I want to see more of her because also you know she's so young. I'm excited for the career that's going to come from you know this this actor. Um, I think that I think that it is truly, you know, um, I'm proud of this year of the things that came out. I I don't care about the things that don't come out, so they're not even a part of the list. You know, there's mm-hmm. always the churro movies that come out every year and they don't have to be recognized because they're supposed to be filler things for the things that are supposed to take your breath away. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that the things that that truly, you know, made me love watching movies. I've got a I've got a good list of things this year that I was that I was um shocked by. Um or was, you know, 
along for the ride the entire time and was not disappointed by. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that that's hard um, to have a, a healthy balance um, of, of of films come out in a year. And I think that twenty twenty two even with its struggles of all of these movies being made in COVID, I think that we, we have a, a, a year to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I completely agree. And I think that you came with some, some great standout performances. Um, for me, uh, I'll, I think that I might actually write up a, a full best of list and post it. Okay. Um, you know me, I don't write anything. So I'll just, I'll include, I'll, I'll do some standout performances for me from this year as well. Um, I think that my overall performer of the year might actually be Colin Farrell. Um, oh, oh, in the Batman? Of, no, across, just across the board. He was in like three movies this year. Mm. Um, he did incredible work in all of them. Um, and so I think that he's probably my across the board performer of the year is mm-hmm. Colin Farrell. Um, some standout individual performances, and I'll try to make them all different than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hanks in Elvis. Oh, yes. It's a nasty little gremlin role for mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, and I love it. You know, America's uncle. He was just, he was the showman, and I was the snowman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I adore the weird little accent. I think that he's doing excellent in it. Um, I love it. Um, Justin Long and Barbarian. Yeah, hell yeah, Justin Long he and Barbarian. is funny as fuck. He has no right to be as <laughs> funny with such a scummy character. Yes! Um, and he he absolutely sinks the thing. Um, uh, Zoe Saldana mm-hmm. from Avatar The Way of Water. She is, I think, Nateria is one of her best roles. I know that people love her in Gamora, and we have more of Gamora, but I actually think that her best, like, franchise role, and maybe one of her best roles ever, is Neytiri. Oh, I think that it comes to her more naturally. Yeah, and she imbues so much of herself directly into the Neytiri part, um, and I think that that comes all the way through. Um, some other, that was what, three? Um, yes. Uh, number four, um, Brittany Snow in X. Uh-huh. I thought that she was excellent. Um, she was fun and playful and, um, smart and dripping with sex appeal. And she was just popping on the screen every time that you saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cast of great actors, but really she managed is. to truly stand out, um, even amongst them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that puts me at number four. Um, my number five, um, performance of the year. Um, it's a real toughie. What's a, what's a performance that really just like hooked me and, 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 and drug me all the way in or really made me, made me, you know, latch on, on that, on that journey. Um, I actually, you know what, I'm actually, I am going to go with, um, from Pinocchio. Uh, I'm going to go with David Bradley. Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> His oh, he did a Geppetto great job. is fantastic. David Bradley, for those of you who don't know, is Argus Filch, um, in the Harry Potter films. He is typically cast as that curmudgeonly, nasty, you know, sort of figure. He's the guy in Hot Fuzz, you know, that has all the guns that they need to bring the the, the one guy to be the translator for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he always does that kind of thing. And, and he's he does a great job as a heartbroken father on a journey towards acceptance of death and life at the very end of his life and I think that it's it's a great vocal performance and it shows it shows two things I think really well one how much you can take an actor that isn't known for that type and let them play it and they can play it great Mm. you know and blow away your expectations um and two it shows just how powerful um uh a vocal performance can be yeah, especially um, because they don't get the opportunity to have all of the physicality of being, mm-hmm. you know, they can't use any bit of their body other than their voice. Mm-hmm. And so it is truly, you know, to your point, um, a, a, a great 
mastery, I think, of, of acting to be able to, to give me all of that emotional, you know, dripping performance with just your voice. Yeah. My breakout star for me, I think, of the year was uh, Rowan Campbell for Corey Cunningham from Halloween Ends. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's my breakout I think that that's performance totally of the fair. year. Because mm-hmm. um, charismatic as hell. Mm-hmm. Electric on screen. Utterly convincing. Um, you know, just as uh, powerful a transition story toward monsterhood as I'm sure that Dahmer series was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all all succinctly tied into this incredible franchise. And, and I think that he managed to carry a role that could have crumpled other actors very well. Yeah. I think that that's totally fair. I think that, I think that that all sounds, I, I am very agreeable with all of these things. Um, that you have said, um, you know, what are, what are five movies that came out this year that you have no interest in ever watching? Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Um, bullet train, (laughs) uh, the minions rise of Gru. Mm-hmm. Uncharted. Oh, God, that's a good one. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Oof. And uh, Crimes of Dumbledore, or Secrets of Dumbledore. Oh, gosh, that was such a good list. <laughs> oh, that was such a good list. Okay, okay, okay. I'll match you with, um, okay, let me, let me look through this list of movies that came out this year. Um... Uh, I'm going to try and not do any of the ones that you did. Um, oh, it's so difficult, though. Um, you know, I have really no interest in watching the Lightyear movie. Okay. Like, I really, I, like I said earlier, like, Take I'm, it or leave it. Yeah, I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. Stop it. Just stop it. Um, Mor- uh, Morbius. It's Morbin time. <laughs> Oh, Morby. Um, let's see. <laughs> god damn it, Morby. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it just looks awful. Did you say The Lost City? No. I'm going to say The Lost City. I do not want to watch that Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie. Oh, yeah, okay. I okay. don't, I don't, I don't need right, it. that's three. You got two more. Um, okay, 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 okay. Um, the, 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 the Enola Holmes 2 oh, can fair. burn. Okay. Burn in the pits of hell. Um, and I'm going to say Sonic the Hedgehog 2. All right, all right, there you go. You hit five. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> ten movies that we didn't want to watch on the film, buds. <laughs> I did kind of blow you out of the water on the on the first five. No, yeah, I really had to, like, look at the, the rest of the films that came out this year. I'm a little year. surprised you didn't pick Death on the Nile. Because uh, I forgot that it was, um, that it even came out this year. And, oh, there it is! Oh, gosh, I, I looked past it every single time. No, okay, that gets an honorable mention. Death on the Nile. Mm-hmm. With enough champagne! <laughs> That's right. Um, but overall, I think, honestly, for me, good year of movies. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, again, like I said, there have to be bad movies. Every year mm-hmm. has to have some bad movies in order for the great ones to but truly shine. But also, as I really look at this, like... It was hard to pick the five movies. Yeah, and also, across the board, generally speaking... I'm looking at a lot of gold. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Chippendale Rescue Rangers was a surprise, really good movie. Yeah, honestly. Like, I was looking at that. I had forgotten about that that movie entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and there's still movies on this list that, like, we can't comment on because we haven't seen them yet that I, you know, that we still want to see. Yeah, that I'm still actively, like, I'm looking forward to watching this. Yeah, you know, like, The the Northmen. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um mm-hmm. Banshees of uh, Inna Sharon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh I honestly God. do want to see Babylon. I know that it's very divisive right now, but I'm interested. What is it divisive about? Um, people love it or hate it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At least it's not, like, racist or something. No, I don't people know. love it or hate it. Okay, okay, okay. Well, um, I guess something that I still have to see is Wakanda Forever. I just, I'm, I'm more curious than anything. I don't... Have to feels really strong. I don't think that it's going to be good. Have to feels really strong. But I want to form my own opinion about it. No, I get that. As a black person, mm-hmm. I feel like I have to watch this film. I get that. I get that. Um. Oh, Tar. Totally want to see Tar. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, I think that again, I think that this has been a this has been a, a damn fine good year of twenty twenty two. Yeah. In the in the film industry and I'm looking forward to to um what's coming out next year honestly, you know. 2023 yeah. doesn't sound like a bad year so far. No, I mean um in 2023 we're going to be getting Barbie, we're going to be getting Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Oppenheimer, Guardians Volume 3, Dune Part 2, John Wick Chapter 4, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um we're going to be getting the uh, Napoleon movie. We're getting Scream 6. Uh, Cocaine Bear. Oh, Cocaine Bear sounds bananas. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I think Creed 3 looks really good. We're getting another Evil Dead movie. Uh, we're getting... Uh, um, uh, the Renfield Horror... We're getting the Renfield movie, which has Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Um, I mean, we're getting you know, some pretty exciting, even just in terms of, like, the big franchise stuff, we're getting some pretty exciting stuff. Blue Beetle. Um, wow, I can't believe they're making a Blue Beetle movie. Yeah, uh, and so I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff that's coming out next year that's even, like, you know, the big budget Did Megan come things. out this year? Uh, it's coming out January, I believe, of next year. Okay, so Megan is technically... Um, a next year movie. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think that mm -hmm. it's going to be. I think that it's going to be a fun, Chucky kind of movie, and I'm 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 curious oh. how they've modernized it. Knock at the cabin. Mm -hmm. uh, the upcoming M Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, I'm yeah, always game Batista. for an M Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The flip of the coin is the most fun. Yeah. So I'm actually to your point. I also am looking forward to 2023 as well. Mm -hmm. um, I I love that we're getting back to back. Tom Cruise doing mad shit action movies you yeah know. of course um that's great for me that uh, is great for you he's <laughs> one of your favorites i know it's true yeah um i agree with the tweet that's like he and, and christopher nolan should never work together because they will kill him on screen <laughs> yeah yeah and call it art yeah and it'll be the world's greatest snuff film uh, <laughs> we're gonna knock the crow off that pedestal Woo! um <laughs> dark uh and so I guess with our, our wrap-up uh, of 2022 completed, we should go ahead and, and finish our last review of 2022, or get started on our last review of 2022. Yes! Uh, which is this year's The Fablemans. Um, so, The Fablemans is written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. The premise is growing up in post-World War II-era Arizona... Young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. It stars Michelle Williams as Mitzi Fableman, Paul Dano as Burt Fableman, Seth Rogen as Benny Lowy, uh, Judd Hirsch as Uncle Boris, and it features, or, uh, uh, you know, in, in a breakout performance, young Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy Fableman. Uh, and I guess with all that said, dear, what did you think of The Fablemans? I was honestly very surprised by this movie. I thought this movie was, I walked into this movie, was I thought it was going to be bad. I thought this movie was going to be, you know, really, really up Steven's ass of, um, you know, look at my life on the big screen, isn't it pretty? Um... Because I also don't know anything about Steven or his life because I've never looked it up and I've never cared to. Um, and so it was just interesting to, 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 to go down this, this rabbit hole of this like pseudo autobiography um, of, of who, who he was and his family and, and the dynamic and the worlds that he lived in. Um, and I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, it's real. It's it's um, set up in the way that it starts with basically like him seeing his first film, and then it ends with him getting um, basically like his first time on on like the Hollywood set, and that's the entire film of like him getting up to the point where basically like he became a name that we now recognize. Um, you know, the the moment that his story begins for us in reality is the last point in the movie. Um, here. And I think that that's a perfect, you know, nice amount of time that we get. 
um, with him, with building the the relationships with with his family um and i really enjoyed watching this this uh this young this young actor um gabriel labelle i i really enjoyed him a lot i i thought that he was he was very charismatic um and i thought that michelle williams stole the entire movie Mm. i felt like I think I I love Michelle Williams as a as an actor. I thought that she was great as as Gwen Verdon in the Fosse Verdon TV show. Um, and I think that she has really found her decade, because here she is in another movie that's that's set in the the fifties to sixties time frame and she's she's doing again a, a great job i was i was honestly shocked about uh seth rogan i th- i thought that seth rogan gave me a performance that i hadn't seen in a while which isn't seth you know relying on his seth isms to get by but actually like getting to to give me what he did in in oh gosh what is the is he in one of those um He's in Steve Jobs' Wozniak. He's in Steve Jobs. That's the one that I was thinking of. This is kind of like a Wozniak character. Mm-hmm. He kind of, he, he effectively blends in very well. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm totally here for it, honestly. Like, I, and I, gosh, Paul Dano has had a good year, you know, with, with this and also doing the Batman. Um, good for Paul Dano. Um, and I just I felt like this was a, a really wholesome, like, family movie, you know, in the, in the, the bare, bones of this film you know this was a film that I think that like pretty much across the board everybody's going to enjoy and it's not something that's like because it's a nice easy romp to get through because they do touch on some some serious topics in this you know they talk about um you know they they call it the the shattering family secret you know it, it is it is a it's a good chunk of the family dynamic is this family secret you know and also it talks about um the anti-semitic uh nature of this time period that we live in and the fact that the fablemans are jewish mm-hmm. like stephen is and it's just it's very american as well you know mm-hmm. it's it's this 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 nice little american tale about a family kind of kind of like almost um white noise in a sense where it's like it's this normal family doing normal family things mm-hmm. and having, you know, issues and trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. And I think that all of that is really um, relatable and honest and, and tender. And I didn't think that Stephen had it in him still to make something that was still honest and tender because of the fact that he is Steven Spielberg. He's, he's the big budget, you know, blockbuster extraordinaire kind of guy. And I think that this is him giving it like a this is almost like a farewell for him yeah um what's interesting is is steven has um has said that uh he doesn't go to therapy and he has never really wanted to go to therapy yeah that sounds right and i think um for him it is his well Mm mm-hmm um you know those are those are the things that he is calling on in his storytelling especially in all of his very best movies um he's calling on those ideas and those themes um the idea of a parent struggling with depression and feeling out of place inside of the family and struggling with the fact that um they have this innate desire to be creative and they have no idea how to express that to their family and their family sort of isolates them and sees them as weird or lesser because of that you know is is the entire crux of close encounters of the third kind Mm -hmm. um an overbearing father that thinks that you should just do something sensible and practical and wants you to, you know, do your homework and be a square and obey the law of the pack and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I think uh, definitely is, is something that you then see in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And oh, the yeah. Of he and his father. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and so I think that 
it was really interesting sitting down and starting to watch the Fablemans because very instantaneously, immediately, it becomes clear that all throughout his career, you can see um, loads of influences in um, in his filmmaking uh, from also then what he's putting on this screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the benefits of the Fablemans is also one of the benefits of Steve Jobs. The Fablemans is a semi-autobiographical thing. It is drawing inspiration from his life. They are the Fablemans, though. It is not the Spielbergs. This is not Steven. This is Sam. Uh, and I think that that's a real, real benefit to the movie because then we can we can craft it to be about something. Um very specifically and we can hit on everything that's emotionally true without burying it in what's authentic to the history you yeah, know yeah 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 um and similarly i think the other thing like you pointed out that really is a benefit to the film is that um it does hone in on a very specific time frame Stephen doesn't go and try and do a movie that is about his childhood, literally all the way up to up to him making West Side Story, you know, or something like that. We would be here for 12 hours. You know, or we would have just gotten, like all shitty biopics, the Cliff Notes version of a life. Mm-hmm. That is like, and inspiration is the dream, you know, as like the overall theme. Uh-huh. And, and, and it would have, it would have been hogwash, you know, it would have been, it would have been pretty mid, it would have been Bohemian Rhapsody. And so I think that by, again, focusing it up on this lead up to the door of his obsession, finally, and to a certain degree, the thing that has kept him isolated from his family, finally breaking forth and 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 coming to fruition in his life as an opportunity you know to to pursue this thing i think it's a really really interesting and more powerful way to tell the story of a life mm-hmm. one of the few biopics that really like tells a whole life story is fossey verdon but it does the interesting thing that you know that one does is it tells the the dual narrative of two people's life together yeah, and it really starts, you know, it doesn't... It starts it, in the middle, and then we flash back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's effective about that one. We don't try to start and tell Gwen and Fosse's story as children, you know? <laughs> and so I think that, like, it's... I think that that's what really works here, is is the conciseness of it to also give it a theme and a drive and a purpose. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and it also, you know, to your point, does kind of explain a lot of where he gets his isms from. You know, he is very much, to your point, drawing on his his entire life story is his inspiration to the characters that he is uh, creating. And um, I don't, it all makes sense, you know, like, I, I don't mind seeing them here because it's an honest, like, this is, this is, this is honest, whereas, like, all of those things were pulling on those honest emotions, you know, to get, get us to feel with him, you know, um, obviously these things affected him so much that he couldn't, you know, to your point, he didn't go to therapy. He just ended up putting a different name on a, on a, on a family member or a friend or something and putting them in a movie, you know? Um, similarly, David Lynch, anti-therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm just with these people being, like, anti-therapy. Is it David, back in the day when, when they thought that therapy was just for crazy people? Well, David Lynch went and spoke to a, a psychiatrist, apparently. Uh-huh, and they told him he was crazy, and he said, no, I'm not. No, and he walked in, according to David, he walked in, looked at the person, and said, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I'm very scared that this is going to affect my creativity in some way. Is this going to affect my creativity in some way? And they said, it might. And he turned around and left. Well, if you were expecting anybody to give you a set yes or no is is naive of you. <laughs> in that in that instance, if you were expecting them to go, "No, it's not," or "Yes, 
bless you, it is, then I think that that was very naive of him to 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 be swayed by an absolute. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe is the right answer because everyone is affected by therapy differently. It could, but it probably will not based mm-hmm. on your, you know, drive and love for this art. You're not going to get rid of the thing that you enjoy, you know, about yourself. So, you know, maybe stop knocking therapy and realize that um your expectations are too high mm-hmm. david <laughs> um and no i think that to your point it is also probably a little bit generational as mm-hmm. well you know um it's uh it's an interesting aspect to you know the i mean there is literally the trope of the tortured artist you know like it's an entire trope that exists in fiction um and i think that that definitely has some some holdover of people applying that to their own personal reality you know that this idea that if i take away in any way these things it somehow is going to lessen the creative juice um I don't think that that necessarily holds any water. Uh, no, yeah. And also, like, the tortured artist is tortured because nobody cares about the arts. Being an artist is a poor experience, you know? And those are the things that torture you or just the sheer grind of doing it. But it shouldn't be the fact that you're over here, like, stabbing yourself because of your art. Like, that's not, that's not, what, we're, that's not what we're talking about. You shouldn't be the one inflicting the pain on yourself because it's the creative button. Maybe you should try choosing... Maybe you should figure this out with therapy and find a more healthy way to, to put be... it all on the page. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you can be healthy and creative. You don't have to be just one. You don't, it's like, but that's what my problem is with method. You know, you don't have to do heroin to play a heroin addict guys. Like that's dumb. That's really stupid. You don't mm-hmm. have to put yourself in the boxing ring to understand what boxing is like. No, that's stupid. You know, Sure, educate yourself, but don't just, like, go, okay, I've got to do this thing. So, like, what if you're going to play an amputee, are you going to cut off a leg? These are the extremes that you're going to. For what? No, yeah. For this one thing, this one time? That's, that's ridiculous. You know, you shouldn't have to be anorexic in order to play this part. We've got digital add-ons that we can put onto you. Just look at, just look at Steve Rogers in the first um, Captain America film. Mm-hmm. He was enormous. They made him smaller. They didn't make that small man big. They didn't do that. You know? I just... People are nuts. People are absolutely nuts. And I think that it is this weird, like, generational thing of being like, oh, I can't ask for help because that shows weakness in myself. You know? And and being weak is for sissies. And I just need to bottle all of this up and it'll boil over into art. Mm-hmm. That's That's toxic. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is, and I'm not sure that he's even necessarily addressed it um, within himself. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that I think the Fablemans as a movie touches on is this idea that like his obsession with his own art is also the thing that is creating distance between him and other people. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm not sure that he ever really tapped into an awareness of that idea. But also, sometimes Steven is a little bit of an unaware artist. There's a great clip of him on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Mm-hmm. And James Lipton is talking to Steven about his upbringing, his mathematical, science-based father, his musical mother. And at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the emotional climax of the movie, the thing that brings this entire journey to an end, and the thing that closes this divide in communication between two different people is a culmination of math and science and music. Yeah, because that's the way that they communicate with the aliens in the end, is using these instruments in order to create a language mm-hmm. you know a phonic code you know sort of thing exactly exactly this this weird melding of the fact that like look dad you can do both dad you know i'm sorry any any math person who looks at music and goes 
this isn't math. Isn't looking hard enough. It doesn't understand it and is and it and has limited their their point of view therein. You know, your opinion means nothing if you don't understand what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, and, and Steven Spielberg, but to, to the point, Steven Spielberg at the end of that clip was like, I had never really considered that or thought about that. Yeah, because he's putting this stuff in so subconsciously. Yeah, possibly because he has never gone to therapy. Yeah. That he's all just putting it in there in this sort of subconscious process because Mm -hmm. this is where he is figuring things out. Yeah, you know. And honestly, like, you know, going back to the, the movie for a second, I think that, you know, I think that Michelle Williams does, an, does a phenomenal job playing Mrs. Fableman, playing this 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 artist who is... Trapped. Yeah, you know, and you can tell that, that, that art brings her so much joy and happiness. And, and that being kind of looked at with, like, a pat on the shoulder of, like, you did good, kid, you know, but now are you going to, like, do something else? Well, you know what's um what's so incredible is that slow motion is so often used for big action moments you mm-hmm. know to slow down someone jumping dramatically for something or something blowing up or what have you <clears throat> i love that throughout this movie he uses slow motion at some of like the big emotional climaxes mm-hmm. some of the big moments where someone is realizing something are the moments that he goes Let's put it in slow motion. And so then we just watch over 30 seconds a little entire emotional arc where the character starts one way and ends another way Mm -hmm. by the time that this 30-second slow-mo shot is over. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing in this movie as well. No, yeah, you know, to your point, I think that one of the most eye-catching moments in a film, I think that, like, honestly, it might be my favorite moment in in a film this year was watching um, Mrs. Fableman dance in the in the car light at the the campsite. I think that that I think that it's perfectly shot. I think that it is this 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 beautiful um, exploration into not only you know her just letting go and allowing herself to 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 do this thing because I, I found that I found a lot of kinship with that you know. I'm obsessed on a cinematic level with a good, beautiful dance at night by limited light. Kate Blanchett's uh ballet by moonlight oh, in oh, uh, yes. um, uh Curious Case of Benjamin Button, mm-hmm. Mitzi's Dance by the Car Light Here. I am all for a good moment of a character dancing no, at I, night with And I loved light. that. I loved the whole scene of the these um you know, her just just expressing herself fully without caring, without feeling like she needs to to hide who she is, because like the whole part of the scene is that she's wearing this this white nightgown, you know, and the eroticism of being able to see her form, not even see anything in particular. You can't actually see that she's naked under there, but like at, at the end of the day, it's implied that she is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this, her frantic daughter running around, you know, being like, everybody needs to look away from mom right now because she's indecent, you know, mom's lost it for a little bit. Everybody go on and pretend like this isn't happening when they are all like watching her in the true spectacle of the fact that, you know, this is a beautiful moment. And it it wasn't about the eroticism of the fact that they could see through the dress. You know, it was the, it was the, it was the experience of watching this artist perform. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the differences of, to your point, either the mathematical side of his family versus the artists. Mm-hmm. And I thought that and it was also just Bob great. is is you know, um, Paul Dano's character is is drawn in, but in a cautious way. You can almost still, I think, read it on his face. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you know, the Bob character is fully invested, is intoxicated with the moment. Yeah, he's. He he's the one who keeps making it even better. He's like, we got to do this. We got to do this, you know, to fully allow you to to feel like the the most beautiful creature that mm-hmm. you are in this moment and and to spread your wings for the for the first time in a long time. You mm-hmm. know, it's 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 the it's the um watching the swan dance in um in in Black Swan, where you really get to see her perform, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's striking, and you can't look away because you understand the, the the pain and the joy that is coming from this moment that that can only be captured in this way. You know, it's it's a nice 
quiet, sweet moment where, where, where we get to truly dive into this character's psyche. And it's, I love it, you know. Um, I thought that, I don't know, can she play piano? I don't know. I don't know if she can play piano that well, but damn, did they make it believable if she, if she, if she can't. Like, Sis was playing that piano, and I was, I, I thought that he g- gave a great balance of these two different sides of his life in this film. Um, so, if you had to rate The Fablemans out of five, what would you give it? Um, I think I'm going to give this movie a four and a half, if only because it's in, it's so long. It's so long. 231. It's so long. It feels longer than two hours and 31 minutes. It felt like we were watching a three hour movie. Um, and like, I, I get, I, I get why it is that long, but I feel like we spend more time than necessary, um, in his like early childhood. I think that's fair. You know, that point where we're, like, watching him do the train sequence and all of that, it's great. But I think that, like, where we really kick it off is once we, once they finally get to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, um, because the, the entire movie is, is, is the pacing is set in the, in the first bit of the movie. And the entire rest of the film takes, like, every scene takes 20 minutes, you know, and which is great. But also... If I had been in the theaters for this, I'd been like, guys, we've been here all day. You know? Um, so that's my four and a half. Okay. Uh, I think I'll go for a four and a half as well. I do think that there was some pacing issues, if only for me, because it is so engrossing, engaging, fascinating, um, heartbreaking, deeply personal um for like the first hour 20 or so and i think that that last 50 though still very very good i think it actually ends a little bit weaker than it starts no i think that's totally fair honestly um um to a degree i think that we could have left the movie when they moved to la um, um, I think that you almost could have, or shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. I think that we could have really sped up mm-hmm. after getting to LA mm-hmm. to the to him getting to the studios. Exactly, but we we go on this little tangential journey that is still very interesting, with his high school girlfriend and his high school bully and all of that, and it it helps reinforce some of the themes and ideas of the film, but. Were they sold enough that we could have moved through some of that a little bit quicker? I don't know. But I think that for me, it starts much stronger than it ends pretty much up until we hit him in college and that last, like, ten, ten minutes of the movie. I think that that's totally fair. I think that, I think that you The last are... ten are strong. Yeah, I think that, I think that, that, to your point, I think that the true slow bit part of the movie is when we're, we're dealing with, um, his weird, uh, uber Christian girlfriend, mm-hmm. who's, like, getting some weird kink out of the fact that, like, God, Christianity is, is such a, such a pompous religion, um, because it's, it's, she had so much pride in the fact that she was Christian and, and, like, giving, him having to give himself to Jesus, Instead of, like, any I, any thought of doing it the other way around. Yeah. You know? What a... What a... I don't know what he saw in that girl. She was cute and she liked him. Ugh. So simple. Yeah. He was gonna marry her! He was gonna try. God, is this... Is that, is that how people go into relationships? They Sometimes, go, yeah. They go, gosh, this person likes me, and they're cute. And that's good enough. And that's good enough. Yeah, some people. Oh my gosh, people have babies and then realize later on that they hate the person that they're with. But th- Because once all of that first bit wears off, there was nothing else there. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. People look into your life. This is why therapy is important. <laughs> um, so I'd go with a four and a half as well. Um, and again, I think that it it I wouldn't necessarily say that it felt long, but I did think that that last bit needed some trimming. 
Well, I think that if we didn't have all the the, the massive speed bump. Of, oh no! I was of um. The 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 his high school era, then um, yeah. I, to your point, I think that it would have felt better paced um because i think that once the you know because that's also after the the spoilers of his family you know dynamic breaking apart Mm -hmm. i think that he didn't really know what to do after that moment in this film Mm -hmm. until he gets to the part that makes him excited again which is the film stuff yeah um honestly that's pretty much all that we had for y'all um Thank you guys for joining us this year. Uh, We hope to make next year even better uh, if we can. And um, who knows? Next year might might mean all sorts of different things and and different uh, changes to the the situation and and the film buds. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, it's been a great year and we look forward to 2023 with y'all. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all. Stay safe um, with your New Year's festivities. Um, and and we'll see you in 2023. That's right. Bye. Bye.